Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. So I think we have to talk about the challenges of addressing health disparities in minority communities because we can't go off saying how technology has made us so much better in the practice of medicine. I can't sit here and tell you how important social media has been in the practice of medicine, but not talk about the communities of who really benefit from its advancement. And unfortunately, it's the communities that have been underutilized, underappreciated, underrecognized in regards to their health, especially the importance of making sure that their health was a priority. So we're going to talk. We're going to have some good discussion today because, and I'll be honest, one of the biggest reasons why I got into social media, and especially in this education space, was I knew that there were significant amounts of population who looked like me who was not going to be able to get the information that I provide in their local community. Like, and that's just sad. I just, I just know that I just knew that I was doing a disservice. I felt that's what it was. I felt it was a disservice to the minority communities that look like me. If I only spoke to the person who came to my office, if I didn't turn this camera on, if I didn't turn uh, and record that podcast, I felt like I would be doing a disservice because I recognized just how bad environmental, societal, and everything under the sun from a pressure standpoint has been placed upon them. So we're going to talk about these challenges today, right? I want to kind of focus on four or five different parts that I want us to kind of get an outline. So I want you guys to follow me. So we're going to talk about obviously defining what these health disparities are. We're going to be talking about the social determinants of health and why that has played such a significant factor in minority communities being severely behind the eight ball in their health care. I'm going to talk about access to health care because I think if you do not talk about access in regards to the challenges of health and being healthy, then you, again, you're only doing half the job. We'll definitely talk about the uh, importance of being culturally competent. For those who may not know, as a physician, one of the courses that we actually, at least at NOVA, we had to take was a cultural competency course because they they did not want to send doctors out into the world without recognizing that, hey, you're going to run into different cultures and you're going to have to understand how to deal with those said cultures if you want the best for your patient. Like you may not have the ability to pick and say, hey, I'm going to go to this one rural town that only has this certain type of population. You're not likely going to have that opportunity. So for those who don't have that opportunity, you need to be able to talk to everyone else. So we're definitely going to talk about cultural competency because I think that's a big one. And then I'll just kind of highlight some issues as far as health literacy, mental health, and especially, and I kind of, I kind of, you know, foreshadow kind of the rural communities and what we can do or cannot do for them, because not only do minorities 
face their challenges, but just being in a rural community faces this challenge as well, which we'll kind of touch base on as we as we kind of move forward. So I think we first start off with kind of defining like why is it important to even discuss health disparities? Why is it important to recognize that not only in the discussion of health disparities, we have to recognize that racial and ethnic minorities face such an uphill battle that as a physician, you shouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that these are the challenges that are in front of them. You shouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that like it isn't just a matter of, oh, just go to the doctor, get your regular checkup and take this medication. Because for a lot of people in this country, we recognize that getting that access, finding that culturally competent physician, being able to actually have a conversation to get to the bottom of what's actually going on is a luxury some people have. That's not the standard. So I think we have to we have to address it. Right. We have to talk about in regards to how certain populations, especially of, uh, you know, minority, racial minority and ethnic minority descent. Are consistently behind the eight ball when we talk about diseases. I used to say this all the time. I used to be in class and we'd be talking about high blood pressure. Guess which communities were happened to be affected the worst? Minorities, especially uh, uh, black and Hispanic. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you are probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drbarrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. We talk about diabetes. Guess which uh, populations of the country are affected the worst? Black and Hispanic. And it got to the point where like, I was almost in a state of shock when there, there was a disease that did not predominantly affect Black and Hispanic populations. Like I, would, like, I was like, oh, wow, for real? Like, it must be genetics because when I factor in societal, when I factor in historically speaking, I know that usually black and Hispanic populations are going to be behind the eight ball. And, and that's when we when we talk about just recognizing the importance of it, because there are people to this day in the year 2023 who don't recognize that certain populations are affected by hypertension more that are affected by diabetes more, that are affected by kidney disease more. There are certain populations who assume that the reason why those populations are affected is only specifically on that individual and nothing structural, nothing environmental, nothing societal adding to that. And that's, again, that's what we're here to talk about. We are here to kind of hopefully erase that and get everyone thinking, right? Whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it on podcasts, I want people to really start thinking that it's not the same. The medications, right, they don't they don't interact the same. They don't work the same. Hey, you know what? Even to the point of trying to get a medication isn't the same process. So when you hear that certain minorities not only get a disease at a worse severity, but also get it to the point where their treatment doesn't work and is not as effective, 
you'll start to kind of be empathetic and understand why. There's not a there's almost not a cancer that doesn't affect black and Hispanic populations at a more severe rate. And not only is it typically caught later, there's typically less treatment options available because it's caught later, right? That's systemic, that's environmental, that's societal. That is where history is playing such a significant factor in our results. So no, I won't accept that just being black is the reason why I'm affected by blood, high blood pressure and high cholesterol and obesity and kidney disease more. No, like it, that can't just be the simple answer. For a lot of people, they want to make it the simple answer, but it's just not, right? So let's let's talk about it again. And I, I kind of kind of ease into this aspect of our second section when we talk about kind of the social determinants of health. Because again, I wish it could be just a matter of, you know, they're not taking their medications correctly, right? But when you have things like poverty, when you have things like education, when you have things like just literally access to healthcare, and this, I mean, this is why I applaud social media. This is why I am so pro technology, because I recognize that there are certain things that you could be living in a certain town where there's not another doctor for miles. And guess what? You don't even have a car, so you can't even drive to a certain doctor who may or may not take the insurance that you have if you happen to have insurance, right? These are things that are so out of your purview, but guess what? You still got blood, high blood pressure. You still got high cholesterol. Like the, the disease doesn't say, hey, you know what? This person can't get to the doctor because the next doctor is in the next town. This person can't get to the doctor because they don't have insurance. This person can't get to the doctor because, um, you know, the medication that the doctor wants to give is to like this person, like the D doesn't say, hey, you know what? With all those issues going against them, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to skip past this person here. It doesn't do that. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre with another commercial break for the Lunch and Learn community members. If you've been asking, hey, you know what, what can I do to get more involved with the Lunch and Learn community? What can I do to get more involved with Dr. Barry? I got something for you. This year, we have launched the Lunch and Learn Patreon community where you get access to a private Discord, access to live Q&As. Depending on the tier you select, you can even become a producer on the show and choose your next topic that you want to hear and even suggest guests. So I want you to do right now after listening to this episode, of course, is join me at drberrypierre.com slash Patreon. Check out the different tiers and join me in our private Discord today. And because we know it doesn't do that, when we talked about heart health, because we know it doesn't do that, we know that we have to do something different if we are going to help society as a whole become healthier. We always talk about a chain is as strong as its weakest link. If your weakest link is a significant amount of this population, and we know things like your poverty level play a factor, your education level play a factor, where you live plays a factor. If we know these things play a factor, then how could we really say we're trying to help the community, right? So again, I wanna make sure um, we address that, right? And I one thing I mentioned, especially with uh, the social determinants, is how medical bias plays a role. 
And I kind of mentioned when I was in school, learning all these diseases and learning that if you were African-American, you know, this uh, was a disease that's likely for you. And if you were Hispanic, this was a disease that was likely for you. Up until the point where we used to have tests, and I know my uh, my medical uh, physicians, and now my, my I bet my current medical students can attest to this. We had certain tests where if it said a 50-year-old black woman had a cough or anything, we'd already be thinking about a certain disease, sarcoidosis. We'd already be thinking about a certain disease because they had allowed our, main, our minds to be triggered and saying, like, hey, if the person's black, they probably got this. And not, hey, you know what? Yes, this person is black, but because of all of the other issues associated with them being black and their zip code and their lack of access to a physician and their lack of ability to pay for the medication that a physician prescribes, because of all of that, then they likely have. We don't, we never accounted for all of the other hurdles that played a significant factor. And that was a big thing for me when I was doing outpatient medicine. I remember I would talk to my patient, educate my patient, you know me, just like I do on here. I would say, you know, I'd break it down. I'd say, boom, this is what happened. And this is what you need to do. And sometimes I would even say, like, do you have any questions? And they say, no, Dr. Barry, I don't have any. Or no, no, Dr. Pierre. No, Dr. Pierre, I don't have any questions. I said, okay. And then about 10 minutes later at the end, because I usually have a little spill at the end, I said, oh, okay, so can you tell us what we talked about today? And it'd be a stone cold. It'd be stone cold because they were being nice and saying, no, Dr. P, I don't have no questions. But in their minds, they're like, I have no clue what's going on. Despite my education, despite me breaking it down and simplifying it as well as I do here on these platforms, they were still lost because of the education level that didn't allow them to really absorb the way I presented information. So I had to continue continuously learn how to do it better and better. Like that's, that is the hurdles that we face, especially when we're dealing with the challenges in addressing minority health disparities, right? Because if you're lucky enough to actually address to say, hey, yes, there is disparities in health, for minorities, when you really have to start trying to answer the questions of what are some of those, you almost get embarrassed because you see that, you know what, this person has every card stacked against them. Every card stacked against them. And here I am expecting that their blood pressure may be perfect by the next time they see me in the next three months, right? Just. Just, just wild to kind of think about it. And when we we think, right, in our in our kind of next kind of hurdle, right, we because we leave kind of the social determinants, we understand that, hopefully. When we talk about just even the fact of having access, think about this, y'all. Having access to healthcare, or more importantly, lack thereof, whether it be the fact that you can drive, whether it be maybe your city provides enough transportation so that you can actually get to the doctor's appointment. And that's if you don't have to take a half a day or a day off if you can actually afford it, right? Maybe your doctor's like me and they're on social media. 
Maybe your doctor's a little bit more advanced and they're doing telemedicine. So many things have to go in your favor just to say, hey, I'm going to the doctor. I want you guys to think about that, y'all. And I, and I talk about this all the time. I think when, especially for, for, for health education content creators, we, we, we have to be very careful with our words. Oh, just go, go, go your doctor, go get your appointment, go get your checkup. But we never ask how are they going to get that checkup, right? We never ask how they're going to get to that point. We never ask how are they going to be able to miss work because we know that that doctor that they're able to go to, you know, typically double books and is running a little behind. So you your 10 o'clock appointment really doesn't happen till like 1130. Like that's the reality for a lot of people. I know that may sound like hyperbolous. That's actually the reality for a lot of people. A lot of people have to take half days off. They have to miss money and then give more money to the doctor just to be able to figure out, all right, am I on the right medication? Is the medication I'm taking actually doing a good job for me, right? Like that's just, again, just some of the scary things when we think about um, in regards to health, right? And then let's just let's think about some numbers, right? Because, you know, I know you, you guys know I love numbers. I love stats, right? Because I think for a lot of people, like sometimes it may sound like conjecture, something, you know, kind of off the dome. But when you start reading and um, start listening and hearing some of these stats, like um, the fact that uh, life expectancy at birth for non-Hispanic black individuals, what was almost four and a half years shorter than life expected for non-Hispanic white individuals, right? When we talk about how the National Center of Biotechnology Information reports that minority populations are disproportionately affected by poverty. 25% of African-Americans, 18% of Hispanic Americans living in poverty compared to eight. Think about that, y'all. <laughs> like, again, and the numbers just keep getting worse, right? We already know that being in the minority population, again, that's, um, that's particularly my Black and my Hispanic, uh, means that you have a higher burden of illness, right? You have a higher burden of death from chronic diseases, right? Especially diabetes, heart disease. And you, you should know about those because we talked about those um, during our health, heart health um, awareness uh, video, right? Or audio, right? Depending on where you're listening to this. So these are, again, just hurdles that people are having to fight through on a daily basis. And if it's not for content creators like myself, screaming from the rooftops like hey like there's some issues there's some burdens and we have to be cognizant of it we'll just say that oh that patient's non-compliant like how many of you especially if you're in the healthcare field have referred to a patient as being non-compliant oh you know like they got the prescription of their blood pressure medications why are they not taking them they got their diabetes medications why are they not taking them i have a patient um in the hospital that comes to the hospital once every about maybe a month for asthma exacerbations and COPD exacerbations. And you'll be saying, Dr. Pierre, why do they come so often? It's because their medications cost so much that they literally cannot afford, afford the inhaler. Like, yeah, I can prescribe it all day. I can write prescriptions till my hands are blue. But if they go to that local pharmacy and that pharmacy says, hey, this prescription, that's only for a month is 200 bucks. 
And then they have to look their kids in the eye to say, hey, do I spend this medication that's going to eat up into our grocery bill? Or do I just go to the ER when I need to go to the ER? So this is the reality for a lot of people. And I think sometimes, especially for my physicians, it's something that gets lost. It's something that gets kind of, it doesn't even come into the equation, right? And and that's what I want to make sure I change. I, I want to make sure, like I scream from the rooftops, yes, technology is great. Yes, social, me- social media is great for a practice of medicine. But if you're not using those two facets to help the deserving communities who need our help to get healthier, then you're not doing what you need to be doing. It just is what it is, right? So, and then I want to talk about this, right? Just uh, another stat, because I just thought, like, wow, that's kind of crazy. JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, reported that only 5% of practicing physicians identified as African-American, even though they make up 12% of the population. So if cultural competency is extremely important, right? And that that's our next title, right? The importance of cultural competency. That's our next section right here. If cultural competency is extremely important, but you have a significant population, 12% of the country, but only 4% of that population, but closer to five, that population is likely gonna be able to relate to them. Don't you think it's important, right, for the other 95% of healthcare providers and physicians to make sure that, hey, you know what, I need to make sure that I can speak to the African-American community because I know that even if all 12%, all 13% in, in this country went to a doctor, the likelihood that they were gonna see a doctor that looked like them is extremely low. Like, and because I know that, I have to do better. Same thing. Hispanics, same thing, right? Asians, same thing, right? If I am going to do the best for my patient, I have to make sure I meet the patient where the patient is at, not the other way around. Because even if they wanted to, they couldn't, right? Even if they wanted to, they couldn't just, I'll just pick up and go. Like that, it it just doesn't work like that <laughs> in our regards, right? And then I, I love this statement here. Cultural, culturally competent healthcare providers can improve the trust and communication with minority patients, leading to better health, health outcomes. Because guess what? If you are culturally competent with your patient, whether you are the same culture of that patient or not, guess what? They're going to be able to trust you. And we can do a whole discussion, probably will, do a whole discussion on the doctor-patient relationship. An understanding that if you have a good doctor-patient relationship, when you tell your patient, hey, I need you to take this medication here, even if that medication don't make them feel all too great, they'll take it. Even if that medication, they don't recognize a difference when they have it, they'll take it because they trust you. So I ask, I ask how many of you are going to doctors that you trust? And the majority are going to say, Yes, I do. But reality says I really don't. Because if you do, you would make sure that you jump through hoops to do what your doctor says. But more importantly, your doctor would make sure that the hoops you had to jump through were so large and so low to the ground that you wouldn't even have to exert any effort. 
right? Like it just is what it is, right? And before before I go, right, I, I think these are some points we should definitely touch on. Understanding the importance of community-based participation, especially especially when it comes to research. And I'm going to speak to my African American, uh, you know, patients out there. Even though they're not my patients, right? But just the community out there. The reason why a lot of studies get done and medications may not work for us the way it works for others is because we're not in these studies. Now, there's definitely lots of reasons why then we're not in the studies. We I already know about the mistrust. I already know about Henrietta Lacks. I already know about Tuskegee. I already know what this medical system has done to us. So I understand why you would have mistrust for that system that done that to us. So I can understand why you wouldn't want anything to do with research. I'm, I'm going to be the first to tell you. But I will tell you that, especially in the year 2023, there's a lot more people that look like you on the other side as well. And they're here to make sure Henrietta Lacks doesn't happen again. They're here to make sure Tuskegee doesn't happen again. One of the biggest things, especially obviously in this pandemic, and, and I talked about just the participation level that we had uh, with minorities because and why it was so significant, because then we got to be able to see true numbers, true results of how, hey, if we enter these studies, which a lot of us did, think, thankfully, especially in comparison to how we usually do, if we enter these studies, we'll get great results and then we'll really know whether the medications is the best for us. Thankfully, again, we were all in the, the COVID research study, especially with the vaccine. And, you know, as, as you know, as we move forward and we just see all of the amazing benefits that the COVID vaccine has had, it's because we say, you know what, we're going to be in those studies. We're going to do that. Now, it's up to the researchers, right, to make sure they earn your trust. But for us to say, hey, you know what, I want to make sure I'm a part of that research I'm a part of that history because I want to do better for my community. So definitely something big to understand. Um, also, just the literacy aspect of it all. That kind of that kind of ties into just the poverty and the education. But understand that a lot of times, especially for my physicians, understanding that you have to sometimes go above and beyond when you're educating your patients and you're explaining your patients. Uh, the level of care, because you can give them pamphlets all day. If they don't know what they're reading, they can't read it. They can't understand it. It does no one, no good, no how, right? It just is, right? And we, before before we go, before we go, I definitely I want to talk about this, right? Understanding that because of not only all of the chronic diseases, but because mental health is severely, severely underappreciated, underrecognized, and especially when uh, we have mental health illnesses underdiagnosed in our communities, healthcare providers need to make sure we are doing a better job at not only screening, but treating when we get the chance. Now, again, I know that's a lot. I know that is a lot of challenges before us, but I would not be standing here doing this video or this pod or wherever you, however you listen or watching this, I would not be here if I did not think it was possible. 
I would not be here if I didn't think, hey, you know what? Yes, I'm one physician, but if I'm able to aspire another physician here and another physician here, guess what? Communities and lives will be saved. Maybe I'm narcissist and I wait. Maybe I feel like, hey, you know what? I just need to kind of save one person's life and then I think I've done a good job. And fortunately, you know, as long as I've been doing kind of the social media stuff, some of the best feedback, some of the best feedback I always get is how important it was for them to see a video of mine or hear a podcast of mine or read a blog of mine. And that is what spared them to get their health together. Remember, empower yourself for better health, y'all. Y'all know the motto, empower yourself for better health. That's what I'm trying to do. I want you to understand that health is around you. Health is your right. It's not a privilege. It's your right. It's your right to be healthy, to be the healthiest you can be for not only for yourself, but your family members. And what we want you to do is just help, help us help you. That's what I always say. Help us help you because we're here. And for my healthcare providers, understand that we still need to go above and beyond because we know our patients are dealing with things that we can't even ignore anymore. And that's the thing I want to make sure this video highlights. We're not ignoring these things anymore. We're recognizing these things we're understanding, hey, I need to do something better. So again, I'm yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. Um, thank you for, again, joining us for another phenomenal episode. Remember, if you have not had a chance, join the Patreon family. The description will be in the show notes, Dr. Barry Pierre slash Patreon. Shout out to Stephen Francis, the Patreon member. Um, again, and all my Patreon members do get shout outs. So shout out to Stephen Francis uh, for joining the Patreon family. If you've not had a chance, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Check out our social media and its effects on practice of medicine. Check out the, how technology has changed the practice of medicine. Check out those two episodes, then come back to this episode here, and you'll see why it was so important to make sure we got those first two episodes out the way to kind of serve as the foundation. So again, I'm going to see you guys next week. Be blessed. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.